You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and check us out online at beardedtheologians.com. You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Matt Franks and Zach Bechtold. And today we have a we have another special guest with us. We have the uh, the Reverend Joe Soba, and I'm going to let him tell you all of his titles, which is like way too long, and I couldn't write it down. Uh, <laughs> but Joe, we're glad to have you, man. Um, tell us thank a little you. bit bit about yourself. Where, where you're at, where you're from, those kinds of things. Yeah, you thank do? you so much. I'm really thrilled to be a part of this, and uh, you know, keep up with all the uh, bearded theologians Instagram pieces, and uh, so it's really exciting to be with you. Yeah, so I'm uh, currently serving at Grace Avenue United Methodist Church as the executive minister of. Worship in the Arts, and Grace Avenue's in Frisco, Texas, just a little north of Dallas. Uh, with no traffic, it's about 30 minutes into downtown, and on a Monday morning, it can be two and a half hours. So it's like <laughs> life in the metroplex. But, um, so I'm also in the immediate past president of the Fellowship of United Methodists in Music and Worship Arts, which is the uh, Methodist Church's Guild for Worship Artists. And I've uh, been at Grace Avenue for coming up on five years. Uh, I've served in churches at the North Texas Annual Conference, uh, Travis Park United Methodist Church down in San Antonio, uh, first Longview in the Texas Conference, and then some uh, s- churches uh, in seminary all kind of across the Metroplex. So it's, it's been a fun journey so far. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Matt? So, Joe, you, you, um, you do this really cool ministry, this ukulele ministry. Um, share a little bit about that ministry and, and what goes on with that and how it kind of developed and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, okay, for sure. So uh, that's that, it's a great question. When it's so much uh, more nicely phrased than usually like when we go play at another church, the first first like 30 seconds of people's faces are like, what in the world is happening right now? <laughs> what, is this, what is this about? And then usually by the second half of the stanza, we get them to warm up a little bit. So we have an ukulele choir at uh, Grace Avenue that when everybody's there, there's close to 50 people and uh it's a trip and so for for me if you had told me when i graduated from uh, perkins uh, school of theology where i did my, my seminary work that uh, the fastest growing thing i would have ever done in ministry would be uh, up to this point would be an ukulele choir i would look at you like you were crazy <laughs> what is this even about so to to make a kind of a long story how i got to this place somewhat short ever since i was a kid i was always um once i got hooked on music it became outside of the sheer joy of just making organized sound, it became a gateway to me for other cultures and to learn about different places and different ways of being in the world. And so much so that uh, I went to the University of North Texas for undergrad and was always uh, really fascinated by playing lots of different instruments, finally settled on the saxophone, but it was uh, uh, definitely into all sorts of different things. Um, and I, I started off with a music education degree in case the rock star thing didn't work out. And uh, it didn't, which was probably for the best. <laughs> but about about... I would say six months into that experience, I got really hooked in uh, with the, they call it the ethnomusicology bug, right? So it's a whole way of studying music and culture and how they relate. And as that was going on, so I joined like, the American Musicological Society and started writing papers about Zappa and Bernstein and whatever else, you know. Um, then as that was going on, there was this, this additional calling that became significantly more pronounced, uh, which was to ministry. And so I got to the point of like, all right, what's going to be more helpful in music ministry? A music ed degree where I'm actually teaching people about music and how to how to get the music that's inside of them out or uh, you know deep cultural analysis so I ended up going the music ed degree and then when I got the uh, I was looking at various seminaries 
did a bunch, but at Perkins, uh, there's a professor named Michael Hahn, who is one of the leading authorities in the church's music across the globe. Uh, and it's been and you name it, China, Africa, Australia, has been to all these different places. And so it ended up being a really great fit for me uh, to, to continue that sort of ethnomusicological bug uh, while working on um, getting a master's degree in sacred music. And so um, I got, this is all part of the story, I promise. I got like no financial help from Perkins at all. Uh, I had one semester in North Texas that just did not go great. <laughs> Could not recover. But uh, I got some, some help on that and then the, uh, for my folks and some other scholarships. But the remaining amount of money uh, my wife and I put uh, to go to seminary books, whatever else, so I put it on an American Airlines card. And because uh, you might as well get the miles while you're racking up right. an exorbitant amount of debt. And uh, uh, we actually just paid off this card. <laughs> let's see three months ago this is like the greatest you know but uh so i went to my first church which was in uh deep east texas uh first, first longview which for someone who grew up in the city was uh, a cross-cultural appointment in its own way <laughs> and uh being a three-wing four on the enneagram i'm prone to workaholism and so it was just crushing it crushing it i mean it's just full on, like, I'm going to build a cathedral music ministry program and I'm going to do it in a year, you know, which is absurd. Uh, but, you know, you learn things the hard way when you are wired the way I am. And so three weeks before Easter, my wife says, hey, we're going on a trip after Easter. I said, oh, we're going on a trip. That's great. Where are we going? And she said, we're going to Hawaii. And I was like, how in the world are we going to go to Hawaii? She says, well, we're going to cash in all the miles from, from school. It's like, all right, cool. So with all of the uh, educational costs incurred, we were able to get two round trip tickets, lodging airfare uh and a car for 15 bucks so that was pretty great so i had a little bit of extra walking around money while we were there and um sort of diving into that musicological thing and and han was always like when you go to when you travel to some place new you need to explore and experience the music of that culture and so what's more hawaiian than a ukulele so i picked up a ukulele learned a couple chords on it it's pretty great went back and uh put it in the case and you know i'd pull it out like i guess that would have been in 2004 I'd pull it out uh, once every couple of years, learn a couple chords, put it back. It's kind of as a multi-instrumentalist. It's nice to have another little tool to, to work with. And then what I can only describe uh, and attribute to the work of the spirit, <laughs> that's literally all I got for it. About four years ago, I had this urge to practice the instrument, to practice the ukulele. So I got out of the case. I don't know why. And just kept learning new chords and started to actually really enjoy it. And it was fun. Got acquainted with the work of Jake Shimabukuro, who is, uh, they call him the Hendrix of the ukulele. If you've never checked him out, it's just astonishing, astonishing what he can do on it. And it really sort of, I would not say I ever considered it a toy by any means, but like to see that the instrument was capable of doing was, was really mind blowing. But what I learned really quickly is that it's a very, um, user-friendly instrument it's not intimidating like a piano or a cello it doesn't hurt your hands the way a guitar does it's only two octaves but yet it'll meet you wherever you want to go like you can play block cello suites on it if you want to you know whatever you want it to and so um the church that i serve at now one of our assistant ministers of music his full-time day job is he manages a roy's uh hawaiian fusion restaurant so uh, several years before I got there, they had this big kind of luau for BBC, we call it BBC here, but BBS. And uh, they, had, they had bought a, a bunch of kind of like beginner grade instruments uh, and it just sat in boxes for, you know, outside of that event. And so I found myself going, I think I could teach this to people. This, is, this, is, uh, this could be fun. And so put out a, um, an email in the church newsletter, invited a couple of folks that, hey, never done this before. If you've never played, if you've never done anything musical, 
come be a part of this. Come check it out. And we'll have some instruments. There's no investments. You don't have to buy anything. Like a beginner ukulele, it's not very expensive. Um, and much to my just utter shock, 20 people came the first night. And we had a blast. And so started just teaching the parts of the instruments, teaching chord shapes. And uh, I have a, um, a very high commitment to a music ministry philosophy that the work of any, any, any musical ensemble in a church, its primary job is to facilitate congregational song and congregational participation in worship, whether that's you know, even looking at what, what are handbells doing? How do we facilitate participation? So that's where we started with this ensemble. It's like, all right, let's learn some chords. Let's learn some hymns that people know and love that are easy to get going with. And uh, then we'll go, we'll go play in worship and just see how it goes. Um, it's the kind of fun thing about the, the, the appointment I'm in now at Grace Avenue. The general, the general sort of vibe with new ideas is, is uh, I don't know, try it. Why not? You know, uh, the church is only 18 years old and no one is from Frisco. Uh, everyone has, has moved here from somewhere else. We've got probably close to 2,600 members, and four of them, of the adults, were born in Frisco. So mm. what's cool is that there's no, like, shared piety. You know, having worked in churches that are 150, 160 years old, you know, there's a way things have been done. Uh, and in this particular context, it's very kind of free and open, and let's, let's try it and see what happens. So I just, by way of example, we have six different worship services uh, every weekend at Grace Avenue, and they're all different. And it's not because uh, uh, we want to kind of embrace the cafeteria thing, but there's just people that come from an incredibly diverse amount of background. So we want to help people find their piety. So back to ukulele, I started kind of Googling around, and it turns out there's ukulele clubs and societies and orchestras across the world. Uh, there's just not very many, uh, you know, in the church, which is a sad thing, but that's starting to change. I've got probably six or seven different groups across the country, churches that are starting to launch these programs, and um, there's really a deep kind of communal power, and I don't use those words lightly, in the ukulele. It's a very social instrument. It just encourages being together and singing and having a good time and for me it's almost the antithesis of uh like i run a, a large church adult choir rehearsal very differently than an ukulele choir <laughs> you know so it's about polish and how do we make things better and continue to improve and we do that too with the ukuleles but it's a lot more like we have three basic ground rules rule number one have fun rule number two don't stress if you get to a chord that you don't know we're all at different levels of musicianship so we'll just carry it throw up some jazz hands or something and you know keep going have a good time and then rule number three is also have fun so it's a it's an intergenerational group our youngest member when we started was six and the oldest member was uh, in her mid-70s and uh, one of the greatest moments i've had probably in, in ministry was uh was one of those women in her 70s who came to me just in tears after the second rehearsal i just said Thank you for this. I didn't know I could do it. And so I see in, in some sense, especially working with a lot of adults in music ministry, is that uh, part of my ministry is to kind of heal um, wounds that people have experienced in their childhood when somebody told them, oh, you know, if you could just sing a little softer, maybe this isn't for you. And when I really deeply believe that we all, <laughs> if we really believe Genesis, right, in the, in, in the sense of uh, that we all have the Imago Dei, then we're all inherently creative people. And there's nothing you can do about it other than choose to nourish it or not. And so uh, to be able to see that experience from her of having that, that sense of I'm doing this. I'm making music and uh, it's phenomenal. So we've since started like taking it out on the road, kind of a, I wouldn't say a lark so much, but for the 2016 general conference, uh, when they were uh, asked for auditions, we recorded uh, down by the riverside, this group and sent it in. And much to my 
great shock and surprise. They said, well, come on to Portland. So uh, we took, took the group out there and uh, played a couple churches around town and uh, did some great stuff. And then just recently, um, the weekend after uh, Easter this year, we took the groups on a, uh, a strumming for human rights tour is what we call it. So we went up through Little Rock and Memphis and explored, um, and it is our preparation leading up to this as well, the twin developments of the struggle for human rights in the United States and around the world and how music has always been a part of those struggles and ways in which sort of uplifting and strengthening and healing and bringing us together and pushing us out uh, into the world. So we did some Nina Simone tunes, a U2 tune, some B.B. King songs. We, uh, we, we left and drove to Arkansas, played in the Arkansas Children's Hospital in Little Rock, which was one of the largest pediatric care facilities on the planet. Uh, and they put us in this atrium that was five stories of glass and elevators. And so the music, because it was flu season, we couldn't go in with the kids, but the music would go up through the elevators uh, and into the halls. And you could see, you know, you'd look up 50 feet and here's all these people, all these children, you know, checking it out and videos and singing along and all that sort of thing. And then we went to the Heifer Project because in a, a place like Frisco, it's very easy to kind of get stuck in your bubble of uh, upward mobility. Um, and, you know, walk through some of that. And uh, in Memphis, we played at the uh, Civil Rights Museum to play Precious Lord, Take My Hand. The Lorraine Motel was really a deeply profound moment. And then we had a, a 30 minute set at BB King's Club uh, on Beale Street, nice. where we did like almost all blues, which is a real trip. So I mean, it's been a, a phenomenal, a phenomenal piece. And it's had some really interesting outgrowth into the community. Um, we've got three elementary schools now that their teachers have come to play in this group. And uh, I've since um, got some grant money to get ukuleles into their classrooms. So we've got a bunch of children now uh, across the area who are getting this new gift that they're going to be able to take with them. Um, we started a group called the Frisco Ukulele Society, which meets outside of the church entirely. Um, and so we meet at a local restaurant, have a couple beverages, eat some food, and then we just play two hours of all kinds of different stuff, pop music, uh, sort of classic ukulele standards, things like that. And the hope is that that becomes a place where people can reconnect with that creative image of God that's in them for folks that would never walk through the doors of a church. Um, and then eventually hoping to, to move into some uh, philanthropic work with that group as well. So I've got several surrounding communities that are um, really underserved in music education. And so figuring out how to get some ukuleles to them uh, is, uh, is part of the goal. So that's, that's the, a really long way to get around answering your question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. It's it, it, it's perfect because <laughs> you know my question was how do you do the intergenerational thing? What, what's your age group? Things like that, and and you answered that beautifully. Story of this woman coming, here's what it is. You know, yeah. here's thanks for giving me this opportunity. And uh, you know, my next question would have been, well, what's the deal with the community? You know, and, and so you you guys are doing what the church is supposed to be doing and being catalyst for community for bringing people together whether they walk through your doors or not right. through a ukulele i mean right. gosh just a, a simple instrument right it is yeah, <laughs> and, and, and 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 i love it I, I i started playing guitar i started playing bass guitar that's that's what i awesome. started with that's kind of my love man yeah but, man we'll have uh, to talk gear afterwards that's, yeah that's exactly you know <laughs> nice <laughs> nice you know the, the guitar you know the six string that's too many strings it's more strings than i have fingers there's no sense in that and so the next logical step for me was the ukulele and it's like let's Absolutely. play this this is fun yeah and uh my wife and i bought you know, his and her ukulele <laughs> you know and, and do a little thing like that it's it's fun um oh, and so when you talk yeah. about a six-year-old being able to walk into a room with a 70 year old and connect 
that's what this is. And for teachers and people inside and out of the church and going on, you know, these civil rights things, here's, here's how amazing is that? And why not lead that through the church and what we're doing and where God's calling us to go and, and let a ukulele speak for us. Yeah. yeah. You know, at least get our foot the door. That's exactly, awesome. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks, I love man. It. I mean, it's, so those things where you definitely go like, I'm just not that smart. So God is clearly at work. <laughs> right, right. Like this is like, I could not have planned it this way. You know, it's right. sort of like ride with it. And I think part of the other trick too, is like, we've got to be open. And in, in, in the, uh, I hate what people say in the 21st century church, like, yeah, like we're 17 years in now, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but in, in, we've got to be open to, to, to innovation in the pure sense of like, what do we, how do we take the time on our traditions of what we do well and do it in right. new, and apply that to new things, right. you know? Right. And it's interesting, like, so the ukulele and the, uh, the ukulele and the accordion are the only two instruments in the last three years that have, physical instruments that have increased in sales. Wow. The ukulele and the accordion. Right. <laughs> right? So, uh, go hipsters. Keeping the dream alive. Exactly. <laughs> Keeping it, keeping it moving forward. But uh, so the ukulele has had really three major waves of, um, of um, success in the, around the world in the United States. But, uh, you know, in, in other cultures, like communal music making, it's just what you do. Like, it's not abnormal at all. I read that the average Westerner knows two songs, Happy mm. Birthday and Jingle Bells. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know? Where the average non-Western person has a rep of things that they sing frequently, you know, has a repertoire of mm -hmm. 20, 30 songs. But even in cultures that um, sort of have that third place really well identified in some European cultures, you know, like it's not, this is not a foreign thing to them at all. You just get together and make sound. It's, just what, we, it's right. what you do as a human. It's not right. unusual, right? But uh, so it, uh, as I was doing some research on this, this first sort of wave of popularity came in, the, in 1915 at the uh, something, I forget the exact year, uh, uh, World's Fair, which was Pacific themed in San Francisco. And I was reading through some articles about this. And one of the first places that one of the, one of the groups from Hawaii played was in a United Methodist Church in San Francisco. <laughs> it's like, it's not that new. We just right. got to find ways to connect with people. And what's great about the ukulele, and it's sort of a similar thing with singing as well. You I mean like the instrument is inside of you, mm -hmm. right? And an ukulele, I mean, yeah, if you, if you really want to drop 6K on one, you can, right. Right. <laughs> you know? But you can also, uh, for even $65, $70, <laughs> you can get a really decent instrument that's going to sound pretty good. It's going to stay in tune it's not it's not it's not a toy right you know but something that a, a kid can get around and uh you know uh we've got uh some gentlemen who would tell you that they are full-bodied uh who can play it well you know what i mean uh -huh. so uh -huh. like uh, you've, got, you've got options it's not uh right. it's not going to hurt your hands the way like starting out on a guitar well uh and it's it can be also a musical gateway drug uh <laughs> got several guys that have like oh so a D on ukulele is, is like a D on a guitar. A like, D on a guitar. <laughs> yeah. We got a couple of guys it. who play baritone, which is, you know, the same fingerings as a guitar and uh, uh -huh. sort of can, can begin to branch out, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a trip. I and mean, to be able to um, empower people to claim the gift that is really inside of them, like people used to say like, oh, well, as a, music, as a musician and someone who's also has music education through the church, your job is to get music into people. And I think it's the other way around where I thought mm -hmm. of it. It's already inside of them. We yeah. just got to find a ways to connect it and pull it, pull what's already in there out of them. You know. Yeah, I love that. 
I love that a lot, actually. It's a modern day thing. It's actually real. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> well, it, and I think that that's I'm kind of staking my whole ministry on it. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Sorry, I think that, no, that's fine. I, I think the whole deal is, is like um, I started out as a music educator in um, in first like semester, and then when I realized yeah. that. Um, there was a deeper calling in me and I better kind of hone in that. Um, yes. So I shifted the religion, but um, you know, what, yeah, what were you going to be? Were you going to be a band director? Yeah, I wanted to be a band director. All yeah. right. Well, okay. I got to ask, what was your instrument? I actually was a bass clarinetist. I mean, that's, Oh, sweet. I mean, that's awesome. That That's my jam. Like that's yeah, man. like, and I don't even like the little one. Like I have to have like <laughs> no, you gotta have a bass clarinet. Do you yeah, you like any, uh, yeah. Marcus Miller. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, oh, so we, um, so I like, when I go to when I'm in new churches, the struggle I always have is music, because right. I, I one of the things I've noticed that throughout my career is that I, I've stretched the congregation and their musical knowledge, yeah. uh, because they're so stuck on like the four hymns and like these sure. are the four hymns we sing and we sing sure. them, you know, we'll sing them in different order and that's how we change it up a little yeah. bit. It's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 like <laughs> right, like the Methodist Church has three official books that full of great music oh my god we don't even yeah and it's and uh, also the internet yes. right <laughs> <laughs> never mind google i just want them to like look at those three books let's not even hey sure right. start like there. with the faith we sing and get crazy <laughs> yeah exactly right <laughs> uh, and so it's it's always it's always difficult music is always difficult because there are sacred cows and conquering right. those cows mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. Um, and that's where like offering something like, like your choir is a great kind of mm-hmm. alternative for them to see that there's a bigger, you know, there's a bigger thing of that's music. Right. And, and I think that that's important. And plus, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, you know, have you had ever any pushback about what you're doing? I mean, that's, that's just, you know. Um, <laughs> not, not here, but in other places. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, I mean, my first appointment and this is going to sound oh, so out of school. And remember this is like, 2003 so this this getting to be a ways back uh yeah my first appointment i brought in a classical guitar to do some today pieces and that did Mm -hmm. not go well (laughs) (laughs) at all Uh, and i I was just young enough and like dumb enough to be like oh well i'm gonna do it again next week right Right. and uh so i was up in the balcony early in the morning and uh like to get the sounds together i was super quiet and the head usher and his pal came in and literally says, did not know I was up there. See that guitar in the house. Lord again. <laughs> We're going to have to do something about that. I'm like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> so, yes, yes. In various places I've, I've, I've experienced, uh, I've had hymnals slammed and, you know, thrown down. And uh, I did one service. Actually, we got the faith we sang uh, in, in one particular place. And uh, so I built like the opening hymn festival around it with like a lot of Cokesbury stuff, you know, that's in there as well. So it's like, yeah, it's not like, I don't want to do your thing, you know, mm-hmm. we're just expanding. And uh, with, with it's sort of the uh, receiving line on the way out, sort of my biggest critic comes up to me and says, I just need you to know that's the worst Methodist service I've ever been a part of. Okay. Thank you. Okay. That's, yep, yep. I'm sure there's for sale signs in my yard that I didn't put there. Right. Uh, and then, but then five people later, someone comes and says, that's the best thing we've ever done here. <laughs> you know, yep. so if you're somewhere in between those two, you're probably okay. Yeah. Uh, but I tell you what I learned from that experience for me, especially with introducing new material is that, um, 
you got to know their heart songs. Like, what is their piety? What makes their heart sing? And then sing those things, right? I mean, I think Marcia McDee says this really beautifully. And she says that, uh, you know, kind of our ultimate goal in congregational singing is that, uh, you know, we're able to do new things and do old things because uh, we have trust for one another. And so, like, Jim hates it when we do something in Africa. But he knows that for Susie, it's really meaningful to her. And so even though it's totally not his jam, he's going he's gonna to enter into it because he, he loves Susie and he loves the community. And he knows that the leadership knows what his thing is and that we're going to get to his thing. You know, So establishing that trust for me, I found is super important. So like I wouldn't have, even in a place that's sort of as open as Grace Avenue, I wouldn't have started something like this in the first year or two just because I need to get people to know that like I'm not coming with propaganda. I'm not coming to like, here's this thing that I'm going to do to you. You know, so here's this thing that we're going to do together. And yeah, there's some things that uh, we're probably not all going to like. And uh, that's okay because worship isn't about the cult of personal preference. Uh, I think that's one of the hardest things that we have to deal with is it's like, oh, well, I didn't like that. Well, how do we shift that conversation? from people from I didn't like it to what can God do with it and then a deeper question this is where we're really working um, in the situation I'm in now situation (laughs) the appointment I'm in now (laughs) sounds like it's terrible no it's fantastic but asking the question of um, what does God need us to sing to become the church that God wants us to become for this community so when you can start getting into those sorts of questions hopefully Best case scenario, it's not, I hate that hymn, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sorry, you didn't like it, Jim. That was not right. his name, by the way. It was James. No, just kidding. <laughs> we, we, we can bleep that out later. Yeah, okay. <laughs> 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 He's probably still looking for me. That's right. He's probably still looking for that guitar. Uh, <laughs> That's right. And yet, and yet, like in the midst of all that, it's been the best things of very experience in ministry came right. out of that situation and right. uh, that was because that was a situation right. <laughs> well, that's some amazing friend so well know. my first appointment um i sat down with it was a two-point charge and yeah. and in one of the the charges this lady slid me across the table this sheet of paper with the back of the hymnal copied oh highlighted were her were the hymns that she plays and she says, yeah. here's what I play. <laughs> oh, the musician did this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. Sat there, I was like, that's nice. Um, okay, I can work with this. And, and sure. What ended yeah. up, it was funny because then when I left, I handed her a whole other sheet and I highlighted the ones that we learned. Uh, while we were there, I said, yeah, now I have more. Right. Um, and See, I think, you can double up your highlighting. Yeah. Right. We, one of the things that we fall into in the church is that we kind of pigeonhole ourselves with music and, and a style or just a, a thing that can, that kind of stunts our growth. And, and oh, absolutely. you guys have six services, that's six different opportunities to offer music in six different ways. And that, that's glorious. And, yeah. and, and some of us are not in that kind of position to be able to do that. No, it's like, let me be clear. I get it's a very <laughs> privileged place to be. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no doubt about it. So, so the, the struggle is real. Like for someone like me who does have a heart of music, like, uh, you know, I would yeah. love to be able to do different things every Sunday or, you know, mix it up. Like this past Sunday, we did that. We, we did all contemporary music this past Sunday, except for okay, yeah. there was one I played a recording from the Gentle Wolves um, and leave it. I played leave it there by the Gentle that the Gentle Wolves covered, and like yeah, they sang louder on that song than they've sang in any other hymn they've sung in my entire three years there. And right? it's just like yeah, 
where's this been? Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, the, the struggle that we have, um, in our, you know, in a lot of our context and churches is, mm-hmm. is that we struggle to f- get diversity in because everybody's just so ingrained in their ways. Um, do you have any suggestions on maybe how to kind of break that up a little bit? absolutely yeah and and like oh man the struggle is real there is no doubt about it there's no doubt about it and especially when uh, we're locked into particular ways of being with one another right that's that's half the challenge too and then it's always been in a particular way so i think you know the first thing is 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 to talk about earlier it's definitely like trust is huge it's everything because if they trust you They'll try some things, you know, and especially if you, if, you know, I, I often pair things together, you know, we'll do something that they know and love really well. And then something that's new and different. So that way, uh, and often I'll, I'll put it in the middle, <laughs> right. close, close out with familiar. Right. Mm-hmm. So then people go, Oh yeah, okay, that was great. Remember we say, I love that. Hymn, right? <laughs> uh, and then um, keeping things in rotation is really important. So for example, um, if I was going to teach a new song uh, after that trust piece had been established, I would I would first begin with having the uh, organist or whatever your musical force is play it as a prelude or a postlude, so they get it in their ear week one, and then week two maybe just teach them the chorus and have it work as a response to something that's already happening in the liturgy. You know, then week three, put it all together. Week four, do it again, the whole thing, and it's it. For us, it feels laborious, but as, as I've learned in the fellowship, the average, average active attender in United Methodism across the country who consider themselves active comes 1.4 times a month. So you're maybe getting with your best people two shots at it, right? right. So being able to kind of keep that going. So, I mean, I try to strive for definitely not overwhelming people with new stuff, usually one or two new things max. I, w- I wouldn't think I would ever do more than probably honestly one new thing at a time uh just because you don't want to overwhelm them uh and then but also not do the same 25 tunes <laughs> you know that's a quick way to kill congregational singing so i try try to strive for uh, a repertoire of around 200 pieces that are in diverse theological contexts. so you got something for lament you've got something for, you know many things for praise that sort of thing um so so that piece of that i think is really important also i'm really um diligently to sing in places that aren't worship so for example sorry this like one line of sound that's splitting me right in half <laughs> yeah uh church council meetings Sunday school classes like I'll often introduce a new thing at a church council meeting like oh we got this great thing it's gonna be wonderful and here here is why we're doing it I think that's really important to to uh, to express it in a non-pedantic way so for me I find that um like Duke Ellington once said there's two kinds of music in the world good and bad uh and I would appropriate that and change that for 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 a worship context and there's two kinds of music there's appropriate for what the liturgy is doing and there's inappropriate for what the liturgy is doing so for example i would never say like oh we should do a global song because uh you know it's from africa and isn't that great Nah, it's got to have some context in the liturgy so i find that when the when the trust piece is established when folks have a chance to know the song uh and then uh and, and then they see what it's doing <laughs> you know that this actually contributes to the wider wider work of what we're doing um that can be helpful so so giving it context giving it a little bit of repetition and singing in places outside of church uh, outside of a worship service i find is is really really beneficial because half of it is the other piece i would say is that uh the people have to know that you believe they can do it 
especially when it comes to something as personal as singing, mm-hmm. you know, cause, cause that's like, Oh my gosh, I think the fear of public speaking is bad. <laughs> you know, public singing is like that. And then some, uh, so if, if you are able to communicate to them, uh, and it's really just a matter of leadership and keeping it positive. So for example, like if you were to introduce a new tune, be like, Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to be here with you. So we're going to do a new song and, um, it's kind of hard. Uh, there's this thing in the middle that gets high and I know you guys don't like doing new music, uh, but I want to, uh, who wants to be a part of that? <laughs> right? right. You know, or the, uh, the, uh, the, the converse that be, Oh man, we've got this wonderful piece that uh, we're going to learn today. That's we're talking about God's insert characteristic here. And this piece comes to us from our brothers and sisters, uh, in El Salvador. And it's amazing. And I'm going to sing this first part and you sing it back to me. So, so if you can sing without using instruments, it's really helpful people can hear the human voice and they go, okay, I can do this. I tell like really gifted singers this when we're working on um, how to enliven congregational songs all the time. If you've got an operatic voice, please don't use it. Mm-hmm. Please don't use it because it's going to intimidate the heck out of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Use, use uh, a little bit more uh, laid back thing. And then when you get to the offering man, kill it, you know, yep, do right. your thing. <laughs> and modern worship is the exact same way. And in some senses, even more challenging because at least like in a hymn, you know, you're supposed to sing. <laughs> you may not like right. it, but sort of that's right. the expectation. Whereas uh, and this is the thing I sort of get a kick out of uh, churches that are like really push against any modern expression whatsoever and musicians who push against it like well people just can't the Beatles have been around for like 60 years there's no one in your context who is not familiar with these rhythms right I promise you the vast majority of people are not listening to mock cantatas it would be a better <laughs> world if they did but they're not right? now there are many people who are and let me tell you like Bach would be my desert island thing I would take that with me. <laughs> of course but um encouraging that in people is so profound and so like uh i'm sure you, i heard y'all talk about uh gunger if you've read the the crowd the critic and the muse like one of my favorite appendices in that book is one where he's going through um uh and, and talking about the state of contemporary christian music the industry and i don't have the exact number but of what the industry considers active consumers of contemporary christian music which is not mainline people right that's not mm-hmm. the main audience here uh it was something like 0.1% of all Christians on earth are active consumers of it, <laughs> you know, and it's right. not most people in a mainline context. So to assume that they know the songs and they're listening to them, it's, it's just not true. So we have to right. teach it. We've got to right. teach it. And not um, in pedantic ways before worship starts usually. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, like something you said earlier, and you kind of spoke to it and really answered my question, but I'm going to say it anyways. Um, sure. Uh, you, you said early on, you know, worship for you is a way to um, involve the entire congregation or wh- mm. whomever you're in front of. And, yeah. and that, you know, more so than... Put, you know, bringing worship, that's the important part is the participation right. and making sure everybody has their place. Yes. Um, and I think something like ukuleles does that, you know, we, we saw that 25, 30 years ago with handbells and the choir, you know, sure. yeah, those yeah. are ways that people could participate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and now that those groups have maybe gotten smaller or, you know, just, right. we're not reaching out, but you're finding ways to let people participate in worship uh, where where we're, we're failing <laughs> to do that uh, in, a, in a lot of our context, yeah. uh, that it's just this, this, and this. No, no, it can be this. And that right. this is all of us. You have this choir singing the piece, but you get to sing too. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, handbells are the choir. Praise band may not be your thing, but here's a ukulele. Right. You know? There, exactly. There's ways to do this and, mm-hmm. and 
and allow participation or encouragement participation from the greater congregation than simply being there. Absolutely. Uh, and, and that's huge. Um, and, and I can tell in your passion that that's, yeah, I like to play. Yeah, I like to sing. I like to lead these things, but this is what I want to do. Yeah. I want to bring you in. I want yeah. you guys to participate in this with me. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's big. Man, I think I was like folding laundry probably like five years ago. And I just had that epiphany like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do on earth. And I love it. And, and you can definitely hear that you're living into that and you're passionate about it. I mean, you know, we get passionate about beards and things like that, but sure. uh, <laughs> yeah, I know I felt bad. The beard comes and goes like, Oh, I'm definitely in the wrong uh, season but, <laughs> for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> but for the people listening, if you can't see our shirts, uh, there's a lot of pattern going on today. <laughs> it's great. It's great. That's it. And, but, and anybody who thinks like, oh man, can I do this? Like, like the real truth of it is, if you can stay like four chords ahead of the people, you're going to be okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, and, it, and that's, that's kind of what, that's my encouragement. Man, if I can do it, because I'm not a musician by any means, but I found myself leading a praise band and, and doing these sure. things. And it's like, I'm not a musician, but by God, yeah, you well, go try. <laughs> and, and that's one of the big challenges of getting um, participation in worship, especially mm-hmm. musically, is that we live in a performance oriented culture. Right. You know, right. I mean, like uh, the voice, American Idol, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing that like made American Idol different was this whole call in feature, right? And mm-hmm. text in to win. People, they want to participate, right. they just don't know how. And right. in a culture that, and, and, the, and they also, I think, sometimes don't feel invited. Mm. And I think that's a really profound thing to, to create a welcoming environment yeah. where like, I believe you can do this, you know? And sometimes it's right. when you hear this amazing choir, I'm all for amazing choirs. Like that's mm-hmm. fantastic. But it can be, if you're not careful on how you couch it, it can be just like, my job is to sit here and be quiet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, right. Like a, like a traditional sermon, where else in the world do we expect, expect people to sit down for 20 to 45 minutes right. and not respond or engage in any way? Like, man, we don't even teach kindergarten that way. Any, like I haven't for years, you know, Mm-mm. or <laughs> college halfway. Right. So we've got this sort of these unwritten rules and people want to do well. I think people like mm-hmm. deep in their heart, they want to like, I, I need to understand the context of where I'm right. at. And what am I supposed to do? And uh, I don't know. I don't want to mess it up, you know? Right. So create well, an environment like, let's do this, you know? Right. But you're right. We've got to create that environment. I mean, I, I did a sermon a couple of weeks ago when this airs, it'd be a couple of weeks ago um, where I simply just have people close their eyes in Tell me what you see. Yeah. In no, really, tell me what you see. Like I'm, I, I want your feedback. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was just to pull that out of them. Oh, now tell oh, me your sure. favorite color. You know, and it was like, right. oh, okay, we're supposed to talk here. You know, but uh, it was like it, just trying to. I guess <laughs> you're not a Methodist or bad about that. You know, we just we're, we're yeah. there. We're to sit. We'll sing when we sing Amazing Grace. We'll sing the Old Rugged Cross, and we'll listen to the sermon. And we'll go to lunch. We really um, should stop giving the Presbyterians <laughs> a hard time. I know. I know. <laughs> I have to. You got to get them in. <laughs> oh, my best friends is the Presbyterian minister of Warden Sackman. And, uh, you know, we'd like pick each other up at the airport and be like, Mr. Calvin, Mr. Wesley. And finally, right. at like four in the morning, we're like, we're not really going to come to an agreement on this whole predestination thing. So we're right. just stop. Let's stop. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, we just, but we, we, we it's got to have that invitation. You're right. Um, in building that trust is huge, but making that invitation of, hey, join me. Uh, yes. I'm here with you. Join this. And not just yeah. in the music. I mean, one of the things that we've right. gone uh, in as, as a worship staff at this place, which again, it's like super privileged to have amazing colleagues to do all this. <laughs> my question X number one for them is 
how does every decision we make inhibit or invite people to participate in worship? Mm. Like, how is the lighting bright enough in the traditional space for people to see the bulletins? Is it dark enough in the modern space so people can get that, that you know, mm-hmm. mysterious vibe? Is it is the fonts big enough? Are the keys right? I mean, some of the challenges in our current hymnal is that it was produced in 89 and people <laughs> just were able to sing higher then. It's true. Right. I mean, not, yeah. I mean, like there are several, several, several hymns that go, man, you take that down a third, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just, they can't hit it anymore. You know, so right. all those different things. But I think in, in addition to that, you can, preaching, oh my mm-hmm. gosh. I remember the first time I experienced Doug Paget do a progressional dialogue. It was like, oh, this is a game changer. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? so like when I'm preaching, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll often do that and, and say like, no, not rhetorical question. I actually want you to, we have these rules. I want an answer here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Talk to me. Right. Yeah. No, I'm please. <laughs> it's important right. that I just talk, uh, right. you know, see the first part of this, this conversation. If I just talk for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why we have guests on because it's like these two guys. We've heard them. <laughs> we need other people. <laughs> Gotta mix this thing up a little bit. Well, and I think that that's key is that within worship, we, we maybe the thing that we've missed, and maybe it's not been taught. I know it wasn't taught in seminary. Is the is the idea of what do we do? Everything we do, you know, look at the bulletin each week. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Does it does it include or does it exclude? And if it does, like, like really evaluate that. And and while evaluating, you know, the sermon is important. You know, making sure that it's theologically correct and making sure the music sure. Is, is theologically correct and it all connects together. But if if our whole service is is all disconnected and all wordy and no connection where people have people have a you know they have their part we have you know um it it really does draw people away and 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 my experience in the church i I didn't grow up in the church so i wasn't like i didn't come to methodism with this like rich history of of stuff i yeah i was thrusted into it and um one of the things that got me into it was i um played sax in one of those contemporary worship bands, you know, where they like had the, the band. And so like, they're done that, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, of course I didn't play all the time. So then I was back running soundboard and stuff. And, right. and I started noticing like, what would happen if they took me out? Like what, what would that do to the music? And it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't do anything. Like it wouldn't change anything. And so I was like, I'm going to just stop playing <laughs> and I'm going to be engaged. Yeah, but the saxophone's so shiny. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is. Um, but but what I noticed is that when I pulled myself out and then I started engaging in other ways and getting yeah. like, hey, you know, this is this is how hard they work and like they would love for you to participate in this. And, you know, they were never what I discovered is what they were never invited to participate. In right. Yeah. Right. And so I've I really tried to, you know, in every congregation I've served is like, I want you to sing with us and sing like yes. and, and, you know, yes. I don't you know, you're going to miss notes. We're all going to miss notes. But that's okay. Like that's fine. Like yeah, no yo yo mom is a note. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of being a human. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think that's so true. I mean, how do you think? Yeah, it's uh, Nadia Bolzweber said uh, she's you know she'll she'll choose participation over excellence any day. I think you can probably mm-hmm. get you can probably meet in the middle on it. You know, yeah. right? But but just um, it's really interesting. You, you mentioned kind of uh, the worship service. Uh, piece. I don't know if you're referring specifically to, to like flow of, of, of worship service, but I think that's essential to creating participatory. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it can't be just chunk to chunk to chunk to chunk. You've got to find some way to move through these things gracefully and elegantly. It's like I tell our AV people this all the time, like your number one job as an AV person is to not be an impediment to the Holy Spirit. So that yep. means you've got to be engaged in the service. That's so right. the, the pastor's walking up there, you got to have that fader up, man, because nobody wants right. the... Uh, 
to Jesus Christ, you know, or feedback, right. or whatever, because it pulls them out of that moment, you know. Yeah. Flow is the same way. Mm-hmm. If, it's, if, it's, if it's clunky, then yeah. people are automatically thinking about, oh, that was weird or whatever, mm-hmm. when, like, they could have that moment of, I'm going to sing this new thing that we just learned, and everybody's behind it. <laughs> it's going right, to be awesome. Right. Can't be playing Candy Crush on the back while you're running the PowerPoint. Lord <laughs> <laughs> Because we've, all, I mean, we've all seen this so many times. And somebody who runs media a, a good bit, if I can't find the right volunteers, um, or by right, I mean any. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> just the warm body, right? Yeah. I, like seriously, you just gotta press the right arrow key. Uh, yeah, the trick is you gotta do it at the right time. Yeah, you, you gotta pay attention and then hit it. Right. One word before it comes up, you know, to spend uh-huh. the processor speed. But it's, it's certain. I get the temptation, man. Yep. I totally get it. Yep. <laughs> well, and that's why I get a kick of like when. Um, you know, I've been to Church of the Little Resurrection a couple of times. Sure. It's always fun when their AV stuff messes up. And I'm like, yes, yes, they do it too. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I totally live for those moments like on the award shows or whatever, the Grammys right. and the mic doesn't work. Like, it's not just me. These are the best people on earth doing this. Right. <laughs> These guys are getting paid. This is great. That's right. Yeah. They've well, had a year to do this. Right. <laughs> One time, you know. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's the funny a massive thing. massive budget. And, and that's the funny thing we talk about in our, my little worship. We have a pre-meeting before worship uh, sure. with, with everybody involved who's in, you know, who has whatever part, whether it's pushing a button or singing. Yeah. And one of the things that we always joke about afterwards is like, well, we messed this up today, but you know what? We still have 50 more one weeks to get this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, right. and, and, and we've, we've in the three years that I've been here, um, you know, the first three months were very choppy and we were just trying sure. to get the connected in the flow. And then I have to admit that probably at about month four, once we hit our stride, we really hit a stride yeah. and it's mm-hmm. interesting to see how, when worship is connecting and allows people mm-hmm. to, to, to invest in and to, to, you know, listen and, you know, yeah. hire to be involved. Um, that, that's so important. And it, and it actually does lead to congregational growth. Um, in oh, there's no doubt. Time. Yeah. And, and, and I think to me, that's what churches are missing out on. I think our biggest problem is our worship services suck and nobody wants to come to them. And, and that's the problem. We, we yeah. really don't, we don't take excellent. We don't, we don't take excellence into worship. Right. We, you know, we, we want our pastor to make sure that they do everything right. But then when it comes to worship, if they have a poor sermon or if they have poor music, you know, no one seems to be wanting that to be the best. And, and, and I've noticed, like, in some of the churches I've served previously, you know, when we took that excellence in worship, you know, it, it changed, it made the congregation better in a lot of, their, in everything. Um, and so I think that that's key. And, and Joe, you, you definitely um, have shed some light on some great things. Um, mm-hmm. We, you know, you're always welcome to come back. and, and Always. Hey, open invitation. Gosh, uh, anytime. I'd be honored. Uh, I'd be honored. You know, we'd even, you know, we could give you a sticker and commission a piece for our opening. <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah. Done. Yeah, done. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm in. Uh, we'd love to have a new opening, a uh, little yeah. angle. Um, oh, that'd be fun. It'd be really well, cool. Let's, to, let's, let's talk. Uh, yeah. We <laughs> give you a coffee mug. What? Uh, there you go. Yeah. A legitimate bearded theologian's coffee mug. I'll, I'll throw show in you, an outro too. A sweet. <laughs> I, I would show you what one looks like, but it's in a box somewhere. <laughs> oh man, I've seen the pictures. They're beautiful. <laughs>
I've got one of our old ones right here. Look at that. Oh, yeah. it's so, so fantastic. It is. Don't look inside. It's rough. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want, you don't want to see the inside of the Islamic Center of Frisco Coffee Cup. Right? <laughs> I love it. No, um, man, thanks for bringing your passion on the show today. Dude, it's awesome. Man, I'm going to go me. play my guitar here in a minute. <laughs> All right. Very good. Yeah, you need the Mark Marin outro. That's what you Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure. And so we want to encourage you to um, go online and, and look at our stuff and, um, you know, this, all the stuff we have. We do have some really great stuff, uh, you know, T-shirts and all sorts of swag for you to purchase, for you to have. Uh, and, and we also want to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube page and, and you know, just share uh, the things that we do because part of our whole vision with this is to be able to make sure that we shine bright lights in the world. Uh, and, and Joe's doing some great ministry uh, in this area. And we wanted to, sh- wanted to share that with the world. And, and his passion and enthusiasm has definitely, you know, now I gotta figure out what I'm gonna do the rest of my day because I got all the same. <laughs> That's uh, right, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna go, go take a lap. <laughs> Make some sounds. Uh, <laughs> I got one over there. <laughs> it's totally one to go. It's purple. Hey, that'll work. <laughs> it's good uh, stuff. So <laughs> yeah. So we thank you for your time and uh, for the bearded theologians. I'm Matt Franks. I'm Zach Bechtel. Thanks for checking us out. Thank you for listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening and we hope that you share our content online uh, through Facebook and social media. And we hope that you check out our uh, Beardcast store at beardedtheologians.com and pick up some great Bearded Theologians gear. We hope you have a good day.